just yeah i think i'm through the other side now so head is less dense i can actually hear things it's good that's a bonus so, yeah it helps so what about you how are you then he had to watch this performance yes. the last two of the weeks yeah i was gonna say it's not, it's not been the greatest has it yeah uh doing all right i don't even know what day it is or what's going on but yeah fine i think existing yeah yeah uh, all right well let's get down to it because we've got a lot to cover today um so uh episode 191 uh, yes episode 191 uh of together bha adam craig uh we are discussing a double header today forest and city um and we're gonna kind of just do them together with no real rhyme or reason i think uh mainly because we've we've been lucky enough to have Deserby play the exact same squad for both both the games, uh, and both of them were just a mess in their own different way. So, uh, first of all, first question I have more than anything is Mr. Adam Lalana into the start in eleven. Um, we'll discuss players uh, obviously, and we may as well just start discussing them now because uh, we're just going to haphazard this bad boy. Um, Adam Lalana, what did we make of his two starts? Were we happy? Uh, do we think that that's an answer going forward? Um, do we? What do we think about Adam Lallana, given that he's had his first two starts under Deserby? Um, and where do you think that looks like it should or shouldn't go for the next however many games? Well, he, he was yanked off in both games, wasn't he? After a certain point, um, I, they, they've moulded into one game in my mind now. Unfortunately, one sad game. Um, but. Uh, uh, the, the switch that we made against Man City, and uh, maybe I'm getting my subs wrong here, but I feel like he came off and, and Lamptey was, came in and mm-hmm. we switched things around, right? Um, and then we suddenly looked like a good football team. I'm not sure if you guys picked up on that. Uh, for There was a brief period of time where we looked like an effective football team against Manchester City. Uh, I also don't... He was, he was acceptable against Forrest, but again, I wouldn't necessarily cover anyone in glory in that game. Um, if if he is the answer, I'm unsure of what our question is, uh, because he didn't. It didn't. It's not like he came in and suddenly we're all saying to ourselves, you know what? We look like a really contained outfit. Passing was supreme. Everything was controlled. There's none of that. I actually felt it felt like we were very up and down in both games. Forest, we couldn't unlock anything. And Adam Lalana's presence on the pitch is to create a cadence, create rhythm, and unlock defenses. In some ways, flow the play through him. Well, and it didn't work. So, yeah, conclusion is not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same. I think what he he had the best part of what eighty odd minutes at uh, against Forest, um, half time at, at City. But you're you're spot on. I think the quality of chances didn't increase. The I guess the the performance of the team when you're talking about rhythm and a, a fluidity in the in the center of the park, which he should bring, uh, it didn't really make a difference, or he didn't make a a categorical difference, should we say? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little blah for me. I think there's no, there's nothing that says to me, oh, he's absolutely shocking. And um, but he, he didn't really make that much of an impact that he probably should. Um, and then obviously just succumb to a tactical change at half time against Man City. Absolutely the right call because that second half was absolutely better than the first. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably going to give him a couple more chances, but I, I don't see it being long standing. Yeah, I agree. Um, he didn't 
really make any impact at all. Um, we've talked quite a lot on this podcast about playing Lalana and Gross together, um, and it's just a risky slash dull proposition because uh, they don't really have the pace to do much of anything. Um, and when they both spend pretty much 90 minutes uh, in front of the forest defense that is tasked to be unlocked uh, and neither can do it. I'd, I'd probably rather just have gross than Lalana at this point. Uh, he's, he's shown more um, than, than Lalana. The other player I wanted to bring up before we get into performances and all that good stuff of the, the regular 11, uh, this is kind of a double-sided coin because I wanted to also bring up Mr. Tarek Banti. Um, he needs to start and soon for me. Um, he has looked better every time he's come on. Uh, he looked good against Forest. He looked excellent against Manchester City. Um, I don't know what the guy's deal is with the fitness stuff. Um, maybe he's not ready. Maybe he's never going to be ready. I don't know. Uh, but I thought he looked very good uh, in the last couple of games. Um, and I, f- I feel like I would just like to see him start. I think he's the opposite story to Lalana. He looked like he could bring something that he hasn't shown for a while. And I, I thought he played really well. And I would like to see him in. Yeah, well, I think the good news is you are going to start seeing that um, because we made, we Deserbi's tinkered a fair amount. And I'm sure this isn't lost on anyone, but with the switches that we've made, including bringing Lamption and Estupinion and however he's reshuffled the pack in each of these games, the best indicator for how he switched things is you've seen Solly March playing about 400 different positions throughout the 90 minutes, right? Um, he seems to like start as a, sometimes as a sort of a left wing back unless Trossard's playing there. Then he's going to go over and play right wing back. Then he's going to end up coming over and playing sometimes right or left back, depending on what the situation is. Against City in the second half, once we'd made our second switch, so Lamptey came off for Lallana at halftime, right? And then Estupinion came off for Veltman about 66 minutes in. What did we do then? We switched to Deserbi's 4 Um which is what he's been known for at all his previous gigs. And that ended up with having our back four as Estupinion, Dunk, Webster, and Lamptey. Um, and March moved further up the pitch. I love Joel Veltman. I think we've all talked a ton about Joel Veltman. But I think if I'm looking what's deserved his team in six months' time in terms of setup, I think the back four is Estupinion, Dunk, Webster, and Lamptey. Uh, and I'd like to see more of that because he changed the game. He put a ton of pressure on Cancelo and the rest of the Man City defence, and it just opened up different opportunities for us. Uh, it put March in a slightly better position as well, even though it wasn't his best game, but it just it just felt like a better setup. And let's use Lamptey even when he's fit because he's starting to look like that player we were all very excited about uh, before the injury. Yeah, uh, obviously offers a lot. I think, yeah, to, to Josh's point, I don't know whether he can do 90 minutes or, or whether he can be that explosive for that long. I think that's where my reservation has always been, is that can he can he do that on a consistent basis, especially with these sort of these next few games being so close to one another and, and obviously the makeup of between the, the World Cup and stuff like that. But if he's fit enough, then I, I would like to see it. And I, I probably am not as maybe not as convinced as you are, Adam, in, in that he's a whole felt re- replacement for Veltman just because he is Mr. Consistent. And um, if anything, I see Lamptey as our Matoma since he's out, um, that sort of explosive chance creator. Um, and I think we're probably, we're also likely to see him further up the pitch rather than being in that right back spot. 
um, just if we are trying to unlock the fences. And we we see with De Zerbi his, um, I guess, his philosophy and his mentality of not using wing backs and having those left and right backs actually be quite inverted and, and stay back. And I think Veltman just suits that better. So I guess we'll, we'll see when it comes to when De Zerbi's had a bit of time and, and wants to fully go to his 4-2-3-1 and, and fully go with his philosophy. I don't think he's done that yet. Um, and, and rightly so. Uh, but I, I'm in two minds as to whether we actually push him up like we do Matoma um, and, and have him as a, an attacking force, the old Gareth Bale treatment that we've referenced previously. Um, but yeah, I think he's also suited at that. But I think he can only do that right back for a certain period of time. He can only be that explosive and that, I guess, that, I guess, yeah, what's the right words? But in, in terms of that much of a threat, and um, yeah. only so long, I think for, for 90 minutes, it's it's hard for for us to ask Lamptey to do that. Is he good enough to play that far forward, Josh? Like, is it, is it, do you think he's, I, I think he's great, but I don't think his skill set's in like being a f- right winger. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Because his explosiveness relies on him being able to be so far up and so far back. Like he, he like, excels on being able to maraud and Zerbi's fullbacks don't maraud. Categorically, they don't maraud. Um, so at that point, I guess he would he would be capable of being a right back, right? If he's not going to be asked to go past or barely touch our final third, um, he doesn't have to do a lot of that tracking back from their touchline all the way back to us like he has done under, under other managers because he's being asked to stay further back. Um, but when he was fit pre-injury, he won more penalties for us than anyone else. He created more issues for their teams than, than most people. Um, he didn't score goals. He didn't create goals, but he won fouls in key areas, including penalties, free kicks, whatever it is. That like, It's a really tough question, isn't it? Do you put... Who would you rather see, Adam? Solly March at right winger or Tarek Lamptey at right winger with Veltman behind them? That, and, and you Neither? Laugh, and you laugh, but that's a serious question that may well be the option you have between now and January 31st. Yeah, neither. You know I've been banging the drum for a long time, <laughs> but I don't think we have a right... We don't have a right winger in this squad. Um, well, we definitely don't. But if you had to pick, I, I think I'd rather see Lamptey at this point. I know what I'm getting with Solly, and I'll, I appreciate it, but I'd probably rather see Lamptey for a few games, see what he can do up there. <sighs> I think Solly's more consistent and I think Lamptey's more dangerous and I'd rather take the upside because I don't want to see another nil-nil to Forrest. <laughs> it's a tough question, isn't it? I think just to, to your point, with your non-marauding fullbacks, you lose that attacking prowess with Lamptey if you do put him at right back. So um, I guess the, the good side is is that you know if Lamptey plays for 70, the March is going to play left back or something else, isn't he? Because uh, these he's constantly in the team at this point and i think he's he's earned his place um but if you if you're looking at that right winger scenario is that if Solly plays 70 then lamptey plays 20 or you know vice versa so both of them can can do it i think it's more of a case of is lamptey able to do more in 20 minutes than Solly marches and the answer is yes and i think that that's why you'll probably likely see Solly march continue that right wing um and there's no discredit to Solly march i think he's a very easy scapegoat for our fan base i think he's actually been very good so I feel like I'd rather see him at, on the left at this point, though, Solly. Like, because when he moved over there, he looked more dangerous immediately for me. Because he is a natural left footer, Like, we don't have to watch him try and yeah. 
jump and jink inside. Like he was delivering balls in immediate. And I don't know whether that's a deserving instruction to get the ball in the goddamn box, like get it in there and start trying to cause some problems. Because for the first half, we didn't, we did the usual passing around the back, passing across the side, side, side to side, see if we could open them up. And with playing Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, you're not going to open them up. That's not how it works. Um, and they, that second half, we reverted to starting to think the ball in the box a bit more. Um, and I think that helped Solly a fair bit being on the left because he was able to just do it instead of having to cut in or do anything funky. Um, Max Wood in the chat, you missed us midweek. We missed you too, Max. Uh, I'm pretty sure you were, uh, you are top of the Together BHA Fantasy League as well. Um, so uh, Max also agrees, uh, Esther Pinion and Beltman, very solid in a back four for the second half of the season. Uh, one thing we've not talked about, Feltman went off limping against Manchester City. Um, there may be an enforced change coming at right back, right? If that's uh, at least short term. Yeah, maybe. Um, and and uh, that obviously raises then questions as to if you think Lamptey is your attacking option for obvious reasons. If you come up against Chelsea, for example, if that, if that happens to be on the schedule, um, how do you set up? Um, because uh, I'm not sure who I'd necessarily want to sit there as a as a comfortable right back with more defensive minded attributes. Um, maybe we could go, we'd do Pascal Gross experiment again. That was kind of fun, right? Give that a go. Um, go coming up against his own medicine. Yeah, yeah. See if Raheem Sterling can go around Pascal Gross. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but again, I think uh, the obvious one is Lamptey, and then you just solidify it up. But I think at that point, you almost are forced to play a. Um, the, the back five um, just to have a bit more defensive solidity around it, get the three solid center backs in there, whoever that, whoever you want to bring in with you, give Colwell a game or whatnot. If you can even play against his former club in this upcoming fixture, I don't okay. know what, you know, and he's hurt. Well, he's not playing. Um, <laughs> who do we have left? Van, yeah, Heck. Van Heck. Get Van yeah. Heck on. There you go. Give him some minutes. But yeah, I think you'd probably have to go to a back five at that point. Um, but yeah, it's it. This is two tricky games to draw conclusions from, uh, and frankly, I'm still. This is a. I didn't think I'd say this, but out of the three games that we've just played, I'm more annoyed and dissatisfied by the Brentford and Forest performance, and I'm given more hope from the Man City game that we lost three one. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I know I've sort of gone off piece there, but um, I'm. If we'd have done this podcast after Forest, I'd have been just furious. And I actually feel a little more upbeat after this Man City 30-minute period in the second half where we looked like a real football team. It's fair, yeah. I, I mean, there's clearly something clicked in that second half, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I was not happy, but like you said, you, you feel more upbeat where, firstly, you get a damn goal. That obviously helps. and But also just the passage of play and... and being able to take it to a team and not just laying down. Um, we've been so frustrated by the Brentford and, and Forest thing where we knock on the door and we make volumes of half chances. And at least here we were making some chances. Um, Lamptey getting in behind with a, a very soft header, but still we, we had the ability to play up the park, get past their press and make a chance and, and be able to be threatening. And, and that in amongst itself, and I think we, <laughs> Josh, you you tweeted out similar yesterday, is that you, you have to take the positives where they are. Um, and the positives are is that we got a goal and we didn't get absolutely hammered. Um, and actually, we, we took it to one of, one of, if not the best team in the league um, in being able to, to actually try and get back in the game. And 
apart from it, the Bruyne won the goal and it looked quite likely that we were going to probably push on for a second goal, which is you know a, a bit crazy to hear when you realise that we couldn't unlock Forest for 90 minutes. Yeah, uh, that Forest game, um, anybody who wants to listen to a podcast dedicated solely to that game, um, I recommend you go back and listen to the Leeds at Home game podcast last season, the one that ended with Boogate. Um, just pretend like we can dub in Forest names over Leeds ones if you want. Um, and it's pretty much the exact same podcast because uh, it felt like the exact same performance, didn't it, as a whole? Um, I've I, Literally, I was going to say I've never seen such a one-sided dominant performance ever at the Amex before, but I have. It was Leeds at home. <laughs> that it was, it was just as similar. Um, I don't think I've seen a poorer team, though. Um, at least leads at least leads have something about them um i think adam you said it that uh yeah, that you think that uh they looked better they're one of the only football teams you've ever seen that looked better without the ball than with it um and i i think that pretty much summarized for us didn't it uh i can't believe they're on nine points so far although we gifted them one well and they just did you, i don't know if you watched the game yesterday that they played uh where they Got the got the three points off of Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> the, if if you can sit back and do it well, clearly Cooper's switched things up a little bit and it's like, right, we just got to stop conceding, and maybe something will then happen at the other end of the pitch. And they they basically that's that's perfection for them. Um, we uh, I feel like we've said this a thousand times, as you say, going back to the Leeds one as well. And we just aren't good against being able to break down defences that, that sit back. Uh, and I promise I'm going to stop saying that phrase at some point, maybe, hopefully, when we actually realise how to actually do it. Um, but there was a point in that game where they were basically playing five at the back with two deep line midfielders slash three. And they just had one guy just trotting up around the top just so that Duncan Webster weren't actually playing in the final third. And we still couldn't do anything. Uh, we could, and the problem is it didn't even look like, oh, that was a close chance. Nearly, nearly got... It was just spanking the ball from just stupid places because we got frustrated that we couldn't pass around them. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that game. I, I just walked away from that just furious. And that's why, at least it was nice playing Man City. And like, they're going to destroy us on the counter. Harlan's going to push Adam Webster away like he's a fly. But... They're not sat 10 men in their own half and we can actually move the ball around. How nice is this? It, uh, Yeah, it's it's one of those games, isn't it, where you think there's... Craig, I, I suspect... I know you've always... Like, we talk about XG a lot on this podcast. Uh, I think this is a perfect example of where we talked about the stats not matching the game. Uh, the Forest game definitely matched the stats. <laughs> when you watch it and you look at the stats, it matched it perfectly. Um, but this is one of those rare occasions where the XG doesn't, I think. S- simply on volume alone, we're bound to get a decent amount of XG because we've had, what, 58 shots in three games. I think this is this is the part where XG falls down, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm not going to keep beating this drum, but I think it's just we're not making any clear-cut opportunities. And, and by virtue, your, your XG is going to be up because, you know, if you have... 58 chances at 0.1 xg then clearly you're going to accumulate it, it the the fact remains is that we do not have the personnel or the strike force to finish these half cut chances they need to be clear cut in order for us to score and um, and we don't generate enough of them and that's why we don't score it, i think well, it's, it's, 
clear. Our best three chances fell to two centre-halves and Trossard, right? Uh, mm. We had, no, Solly March probably had the better chance. Uh, Solly, yeah. And the two centre-halves being asked to score a goal from, you know, the 18-yard box and should have at least hit the target, but neither of them <laughs> did. Um, and Trossard hit the bar, but now I'm thinking back to that one. That was actually just really well taken. He shouldn't have got it that close, but he did. Mm. Uh but yeah, it was it was a frustrating one. Max in the chat saying we had plenty of decent chances against Forrest in the first half. Uh, Gross hit two straight at the keeper as well. Yeah, and the the unfortunate thing with that, Max, is in any other game, maybe he spills one of them and we tap a ball in, but it just wasn't going to happen, was it? Um, and uh, it felt very frustrating midweek, didn't it? Uh, just gifting them a point. Um, and then they went and took three off of Liverpool and it feels a little bit better, I think. But... Uh, we've also got to remember Watford took three points off of Liverpool and they were appalling. So uh, we've, <laughs> I'm not going to lend, lend too much to the Liverpool results, uh, especially this year when they are the dumpster fire that they are. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. That's it's just a mess, isn't it, Anfield? Well, I think the most annoying thing about it is it's also, speaking of Max in, in the fantasy Premier League table, uh, I made the the wise decision this week to captain Salah because I thought no I'm not going to I'm not going to captain Haaland I'm not going to put that bad uh, energy in, into the situation um, and I've, I'm essentially done now that's it it's over sick of it clop out get rid of him <laughs> well I negated that Adam didn't I because I triple captained Haaland this weekend because which I wanted major to... disrespect <laughs> well I had I had the winning winning ease away that way because uh, he was bound to score if they did score against us um and i thought all right if we don't let any goals in um then we've got at least a point at the etihad and i'm absolutely buzzing uh, if we do let goals in he's going to be the one that puts them in and i'm going to get boatloads of points in fantasy prem um i'm sad it was the latter but it's a win hey look if you in- Anything you need to do to get further up that table, sure, you do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I want to go back to Max, Max's point though about some of Gross's chances. And can we talk? We need to talk about a few players. I know we'll get onto this, and, and there were chances in that game. I get it. There were a few where if we had um, more composed finishes. Maybe that's a nice way of putting it. But we, yeah, we scored in that game. Um, and I think Gross, yes, Danny had a golden opportunity in that game. Solly, golden opportunity in that game. And none of them did did what they needed to do. Gross hasn't been good recently, which I think we should probably have that conversation. And there's a conversation to be had about Danny Warbeck as well, the obvious one. Um, because we didn't see a lot really out of either of those two, in my mind, against City either, when there were players in that City game that actually came in and looked like uh, they were heading in the right direction. What what are your guys' thoughts? I I think the same. Yeah, I think the the attacking players aren't pulling their weight when it comes to those chances and converting those chances. Um, you know, we saw a blazing start from Gross at the start of the season, but um, you know, I I don't want to sort of manifest this. I just take it at face value. But we, we've seen him come off earlier as subs when the Zerbi's now at the helm, and um, he's he's been coming off around 65, 70 whilst he was an absolute mainstay under Potter. And would take the whole 90 minutes. And um, again, face value. I don't know what that means. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll find out or have an inkling um, in the near future. Um, but he's not playing as many minutes as he used to. Um, he also just isn't in that area and he's not 
converting those chances that he was at the beginning of the season. So that is an issue in of itself. Um, I think so. Um, Welbeck, I know we, we can probably take the entire hour on this, but I think, you know, those sort of chances that he's getting, they are guilt edge chances for him, especially in the last couple of games. Man City, not so much, but we, we saw it against uh, Forrest, especially, um, and some of the headers that he's being able to get and just hitting it straight at the keeper or just completely missing it. Um, I don't know if that's a confidence thing. I, I honestly don't know, but he needs to be converting those in order for us to stand a chance. Um, you know, our, our top two goal scorers right now are Trossard and McAllister, and that's not great. Um, it is for it is for Trossard, obviously, a couple of pens for McAllister, but as a strike force, are, are you expecting that from your half left wing back and, and your pivot centre mid? I, I don't think so. Was it was it Danny yesterday who who was it that we had a I know I'm, I'm trying to think it was it, Danny was furious yesterday uh, yesterday against City because Trossard didn't play a ball into him when he had an mm. opportunity it would have been a semi semi open goal but Josh you even commented that at this current stage I'd rather Trossard just give it a bash than than give Danny an opportunity where he probably shanks it and goes ah oh, shame I mean. In my defence uh, as well, because <laughs> it was semi-open goal, it was almost the exact same angle Trossard scored from against Spurs, right, for the winner. So it, it's a known quantity at that point. He's already scored one. His confidence is sky high. And we know he can score from that angle quite convincingly. And we know Danny Welbeck hasn't scored in 10 games. So, yeah, <laughs> I would have. I, w- I was I was happy to see Trossard go for it more than try and square the ball in. Um, and... On the second replay where the camera angle was different, it wasn't an easy pass either. Uh, He literally had to thread a needle through two different defenders. I'm not sure who they were, but Danny was wide open if he was able to get it through two uh, defenders and it had to be picture perfect. Um, And knowing Pascal Gross is the man I'd want playing that pass, right? Not Leandro Trossard. Um, So for me, yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, that was a desired outcome, not a desired finish. Obviously, um, the Pascal Gross stuff is tough because uh, who do you replace him with? He's presenting more key passes and chances, like passes leading to shots, than any other player in the team, even at his worst. Um, the obvious hope would be Lalana would replace that, but he's being outperformed by Gross when he's poor. Uh, you know, like Pascal Gross was poor. The last couple of games, he has been quiet. Um, maybe maybe he's not not as happy with the takeover. I don't know. Um, but the thing is, is that he's still producing a better output than Adam Lalana did in the last two games. Um, and if you want a chance creator, Lalana has just shown in the last two games with two such vastly different games, he's not that guy. Solly March could be, maybe. Like at least he can he can present chances more than he can finish them. That's for damn sure. Uh, Trossard, not really. Uh, he is our guy right now. Like we, and I was going to get onto that, but Trossard is our shining light, isn't he? He's our talisman. Um, he's he's taking the whole club on his back at this point in regards to carrying us forward to results. Um, so that's scary to think of, right? When we talk about the the on and off, hot and cold nature Leandro has. It's it's lucky for us he's been more hot than cold lately, but that's certainly not guaranteed to last. Um, and that's no like that's not a bad thing, right? Like if he was hot all the time, he would 
be at Manchester City or Arsenal at this point with how well they're playing, or he would be playing, in, he would be replacing Luis Diaz off the bench instead of like at Liverpool instead, right? Like that's that's how hot you need to be, like to be consistent. Um, and we're seeing now one of the best players in the world in Mo Salah not able to do that. So it's who, who do you replace him with? Do you do you stick Billy Gilmore in there, hope that he's going to do it? Do you move McAllister further up and put someone else to replace him in the midfield? after his performances. I don't know, because Gross hasn't been at his best, but he's still churning out more chances uh, and more XA and more everything else that you want to see like than anybody else in the team. So like, I agree, but I, I don't have an alternative at this point, unless you really do risk. I think Alexis is the only risk you take, but then replacing him in that double pivot is a huge risk. Well, you, I think you've highlighted the actual problem which is who do you replace these guys with? Um, and, and this goes back to a conversation we had recently when you look at the subs bench and some of the options that we have of bringing players into the game to change things up. And it's not doesn't paint a particularly pretty picture because my answer to you two weeks ago would have been let's play Mwepu um, and, and give that a go because we, we, we knew Mwepu could, could smash a ball. We knew he'd hit a ball. We knew he could score. Um, and sometimes you just need to change things up a little bit. The other option that we do potentially have in that position behind, can we call Danny Wolbeck the nine? Sort of dictates that you sort of, uh, <laughs> that's a bit harsh on him. But you, you have a guy like Sarmiento that we saw a couple of minutes of against City as a final roll of the dice. And as you say, the other option is you switch the pivot up, you play Caicedo and, and Gilmore sitting behind the defence and you, and you move Mac forward. History tells us that despite that being Mac's traditional position, it hasn't been incredibly great there. Um, but I do feel like it's, we're playing players that aren't in great form at the moment because of the lack of other options that, that Deserby has confidence in. Um, but this is not unknown with Gross. If you, if you recall, last season, I think even the season prior, we went through those waves when the team as a whole was ebbing and flowing, but in particular, Pascal Gross, and there was calls for uh, maybe it's time for Gross to, to, you know, head off somewhere and, you know, walk towards uh, retirement in some senses. We, these were conversations that we've been have, had last year, real conversations by a lot of the fan base. So hopefully there's a renaissance from him, but it's not it right now, but I don't know who we switch out for him. I think that's the thing, right? We've seen this before in, in the peaks and troughs of performances. You're talking about a team with new management, new team, very tough run of games, barring, you know, the, the Forest one where we kind of had to pick up points and we we met, we sort of relayed that the last few weeks. Um, but you, you have played Spurs, City, about to play Chelsea. It's a difficult run of games to try and pick up points from um it could be a confidence thing but i i agree with you i don't know who you replace gross with and i think regardless i i think i would describe it as off the boil as opposed to you know completely out of form and, and we need to talk about dropping him i think you you keep him in the team because of the chances that he creates he's just off the boil right now and and i think you know even if he does create those chances we come back to that you know eternal question of who's going to finish them anyway um so I guess we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, you're right with McAllister as well. Um, even though you know a traditional number ten is is sort of I guess his assumed position, I think he's made that double pivot his own, and I don't think that's a, the right choice to make. But 
you say you, you've got a lot of young people on that bench um but when you look at it in that detail especially with Matoma out now it's okay who do we place who do we put on for 20 minutes at right wing who do we put 20 minutes at cam um and not as many options as it actually looks like for me and Cissé was on the bench for both games the forgotten man you, you you put him on against City for 20 minutes what's the worst that happens I don't know I mean, lose 3-1 <laughs> lose 4-1 maybe let's talk Danny Welbeck uh, because Undav has come on for two games now uh, for a total of about 20 minutes um, it's better than under Potter, right? <laughs> he wasn't even getting interested with that. Um, no goals in 11 now for Danny Welbeck. Uh, his entire contribution to the game so far in terms of the meaningful stats is two assists. Um, not great. Uh, is it is it time to give Undav a chance or are we really, are we going to keep pushing on? Uh, what are we doing here? What do you, what do you think? Um, because... Welbeck looks like a man bereft of confidence at this point. Um, he looks worse as every game goes by for me. Um, he looks like he's totally lost whatever he had uh, that was obviously so important at the end of last season and at the beginning of this. It just seems to have faded away entirely. Um, he's just kind of there. Um, Max in the chat saying Welbeck's heading has been so poor all season. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he should have probably scored four, right, with headers like, in this last 11 games, uh, and he scored none. Um, Solly March, you know, has never been a goal scorer, so you can forgive that a little bit. Uh, but when your number nine, as you say, is up there leading the line and missing the same chances, um, it's just not good enough, is it? Uh, I posted some stats the other day. Uh, around the, the 58 shots or whatever we'd had throughout Forest, Brentford and whatever, Spurs or whatever it was. Um, and they said that we'd had 58 shots and we'd scored none of them. Um, and just to give people context, there was no there was no agenda behind it. I just posted who had had, the, how many shots had been had by each player and what their XG was. Um, and Welbeck was far and away the most shots and XG um, and no goals. Uh, I mean... This comes back to the problem of who the hell do you bring on for him? But at this point, Undav's the obvious answer, just to at least see, right? But it's not happening. So this this is obvious, but surely we have to we have to go out there and break the bank a little bit this January because this is just it. Just every game that goes by, it just feels like we're just setting Deserby and the team up to fail if we don't go out there and invest for him. Oh, but look, Andy Naylor's told me that clubs like Brighton are unable to go and buy uh, good forwards. And if we were, uh, they wouldn't come here. So what we need to do is just prepare ourselves for an endless cycle of Danny Welbeck not scoring in perpetuity and then just being okay with it. That's apparently the line from, from the beat reporter. Um, yeah, of course we do. I mean, you can't... I, 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 I rate I, I rate Danny Rolbeck. We've talked this to the ends of the earth at this point. He's a, he, he's a he's a solid player. He's very quality. He has never ever ever become the player that he was ever intended to be, and it hasn't been close. Um, look at his goal stats just in history. Even when he was in his most promising period of his career, he's not an out and out goal scorer. It's just not what he is. 
Um, literally just go and look at what, how, what he scored at, at Man United and Arsenal in, in better teams than this one. Uh, let's let's be entirely honest in terms of quality of players. So he ha- he's had that that semi improvement under us. He's shown flashes of brilliance. He still has those classy moves and a bit of flair to him. I've seen him do about five back kills in the last couple of games. Um, and when they come off, it looks great. But he's he's just he's never going to turn into a player that is anything more than can Danny Warbeck score seven eight goals a season and then open up some play for for some of our other players. That's just what he is. Um, Undav, it's a little bit tricky to assess Undav based on what we've seen, but clearly he's not been popular with two sets of coaching staff. Um, maybe he takes time to gel. Let's give him benefit of the doubt. Uh, I know everyone's come in and said, oh, look, you know, it takes time. Look at Caicedo and McAllister. It's taken ages for them to... Yeah, they're a lot younger as well. And Dad's not 21. Uh, you, you would expect a, a player like him coming off an incredible season despite being in another league where he's shown how he puts the ball in the back of the net, would be able to do some of that. We've talked about comparisons with Matoma, who, who's gone through the exact same transition process and has looked a lot better. He looks slow. Um, he doesn't look like he has a particularly good touch on him. I don't know if he's even had a proper ability to have an attempt on goal because his option up until this point has been let's throw a body up front when teams have been sat with five at the back at the end of the game and, and aren't going to really give us an opportunity to score. Um, but he's shown nothing. He's shown nothing to give us confidence. Um, so, yeah, I think you just you continue playing Danny Welbeck and, and, you, and you hope that some of the other players can come through or Trossard puts the team on his back. And when Trossard doesn't put the team on his back or hits the crossbar against Forrest instead of it going into the top corner, you don't get the result you want. Yeah, I mean, granted, I think neither of them have really shown themselves in a good light, have they? But I think I'd argue with Undav is that he hasn't really been given that fully-fledged chance yet. Um, You know, I think we we spoke on the pod last week or maybe the week before is that if you give him 90 minutes and he still does nothing, then fair enough, right? Then at at least we know that he's not up to it or not up to snuff. Um, Putting him on with... 10 men behind the ball and, and asking him to unlock it um, when we couldn't do it for the previous 85 that he wasn't on. Um, I think that that's not a testament to his ability. That's more, you know, we're just not creating chances at all. Um, but you're right. I think for the, for the glimpses that we have seen him, we haven't spoken about him in the same vein as Matoma or Lamptey as we have against City, where he has made a difference. And um, I guess the pressure's on as a number nine as well is that you're, you're the end end person you're the last person to touch that ball if you're if you're going to make an impact um but yeah i i'm i'm still i'm still of the vein that clearly danny welbeck is like you said devoid of all confidence um and and is at that sort of rock bottom in that mentality he just needs a goal i think but then it's like well that doesn't exactly open the floodgates just by pure statistical evidence that that doesn't mean that he's going to start free scoring and um, it just means that he's got our goal for 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 his efforts um so i'm still of I'm still of the opinion that we we give undav 90 minutes um and what's the worst that could happen uh is that we then know that he's also not up to it and that we do need to break the bank in january or watch the world cup with a closer eye um, to try and get a striker in yeah um on to just going back to Andy Naylor. He tweeted, uh, Palace, Bournemouth, West Ham, Southampton, Everton, Leeds, Villa, Wolves and Forest are all crying out for a goal scorer. 
Um, and just to address that, because I did post back to him and he never responded, sadly. Uh, Palace uh, have Wilfred Zaha. They've had a goal scorer for 10 years, Andy. Like, that's he is the guy. He's not a striker, but neither is Mo Salah, right? Like, he's the guy and has been forever. Uh, Bournemouth have only just been promoted from from the championship uh, and their top scorer is a striker in Solanke. Uh, West Ham, uh, their top scorers are both strikers in Antonio and Skamaka. Uh, one of them is a brand new sign into the Premier League as well. Uh, Saints, their top scorer is a striker. Um, Everton, their decided striker and number one striker is Neil Mopé. Um, make of that what you will, Andy. Uh, Leeds, their top scorer is a striker. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they are bottom three with five goals this season. I don't really like having to compare us to that kind of level of performance right now. Uh, and Nottingham Forest, they're also dire at bottom three, uh, but their top scorer is also a striker that has three more goals than Danny Welbeck. Uh, Aston Villa was the only one I said was a pretty fair comparison. Uh, funnily enough, they dropped Steven Gerrard this week and their top scorer now is a striker by far and away because Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins have both found the net quite comfortably today in an absolute smashing of Brentford. Um, it's funny how that works, right? When you start playing strikers uh, that can score goals, they start scoring them. Um, so unfortunately for Andy, his one, his, one, his one opportunity to show everybody that he's right, Aston Villa have sacked Gerrard and they've immediately showed him that they've got a goal scorer. They're just, they were just utterly abhorrent under Steven Gerrard. Um, where do you think he goes next? Anywhere? Back to the, back to the Farmers League in Scotland? Where do you think he goes well, yeah, it'd be interesting because I think uh, Van Bronckhorst's reign is under threat at, at the moment. Um, at Rangers, I don't know. And I, frankly, with all due respect, I don't give a shit. Um, Next England manager? Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, can you imagine? No. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know where he ends up. I, the, I, I do want to make a quick cut. Firstly, Naylor, with all due respect, is again here. Um, he just—he's like the bloody Iraqi minister for information back in the day, where he just sort of stands like, "Don't worry, nothing's going on. It's all fine. Everything's good." And meanwhile, you see the explosions in the background. So, Andy, you have to have like—it's fine if you want to defend a club and you want to kind of like settle down a fan base that's getting riled up over a bad run of form. But at a certain point, you have to look around and go, "We've been crying out for for a goal scorer for literally years at this point." And we've had enough information and data now to understand that maybe we should like semi-attempt trying that um, as opposed to just going, ah, it doesn't work here and we can't afford one. Uh, he's just, for me, he's, he's sort of embodying a problem that we do have with this idea that with guys, we're in the Premier League, just enjoy it. Like, yes, that's great, but it's a lot of money being thrown around here and you, you have to pivot a little bit. You have to adapt. Anyway, let's go back to Windav as well. He's, I think he's had 10 touches in two games. So, yeah, uh, we haven't seen enough out of him. Uh, the bigger point for me, though, is clearly he's not doing it in training, is he? Because if you've got a striker in Danny Welbeck that's not scored for um, a millennia uh, and you've got this other guy who scored, how many goals did Indav score last year, Josh, in, in, in the fields? A lot. Yeah, like 50 <laughs> altogether. So he sat there. It's surely not a stretch if he doesn't look awful in training. You go, let's just roll the dice with him. Let's give him a go. But clearly they're seeing something where they're like, this guy is going to be a detriment to the team. The, De Zerbi is saying, 
I'm looking at this guy who was a massive goal scorer last season. I'm looking at Danny Welbeck, who's not doing a damn thing from a goal scoring standpoint. And I've decided that you're worse than him. That's what's being said. So maybe he's not deserving of more than 10 touches at the end of games. Um, but we, we don't get to see that stuff. It's an interesting uh, topic in the chat to Max. Speaking of settling in, Kukurea is struggling to adapt at Chelsea. Uh, our Mr. Reliable last season was hauled off after 35 minutes yesterday by his by his gaffer uh, that he loves so much. Uh, but uh, he's he should be happy, right? He wanted to be on the bench this season. Um, so that's that's a good that's a good result for him, isn't it? Um, yeah, a lot of money spent on Mark Kukurea, wasn't there? Uh, and Graham has joined him over there. Um, bit odd isn't it that he's just not even being considered up to it in that in that team right now it's a different proposition isn't it you know the, it's it's a very different aspect and he's got better players at his disposal um you know Kukurea was by far and away our best player of the season last year so you know he, he's playing irrespective but you know the the quality that Potter now has on uh at his hands and being able to to transfer his mentality and, and whatever he wants to do. If he sees something and needs to change it, then we know he's not afraid to do it. Um, I guess, you know, uh, Kukurea for us was brilliant, but, you know, Chelsea's a different different kettle of fish. They need to be winning every single game. So that pressure is on for, for Potter and making those sort of changes is what he's probably going to need to do. Um, yeah, I, it's it's tricky for him. Uh, if, if we're looking now like geniuses in some ways for that deal, because w- what's the if you if you talk about the best possible transition for a player to move, so you move to uh, a, a, a bigger club, you get plays pretty much in the same spot in generally the same tactics as you were in last season, and then your entire manager and coaching team move along, and you're worse. Uh, <laughs> that's why football is weird, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, clearly isn't isn't perfect. I'd take him back. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if he'd be the answer to our current challenges. Uh, give me the hair makes his mistakes stand out more. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the world big piece, final note on this, because I know I keep going back to the goal scorers because it's frustrating me so much, but in, in all of his career, well, Beck, I'm, I'm depending on where you source your numbers for from rather, he scores one in five on average. And that's obviously skewed a little bit because of the player he was at a certain point. Uh, And that roughly equates, if you're playing a full Premier League slate, he's probably going to score about seven goals a season. That's Danny Welbeck. That's what he is. So in in many ways, I think maybe we might have set our expectations up a little bit wrong for Welbeck, um, for what you can expect out of him. I think he probably will get seven goals this year if we just keep throwing him out there. Just purely from a volume standpoint. Yeah, go on, mate. If you don't get injured, maybe you'll score seven goals. Sure. It's not good enough for us, though, now, especially with the other players we have around him. No, and that's it, right, isn't it? Is I think it kind of comes back to, to Naylor's point of, you know, just be happy with what we've got. It's like, well, no. Like, we, 
we we've made 110 120 million pounds in in player sales um and you want to see this team progress um even if it is in increments right i i'm not asking for the world's best striker to come in i don't want harry kane or an erling Haaland. i want someone to just convert one or two more chances just so we see that sort of progression um and and be able to see tangible evidence that actually we're making strides to be a better and more progressive team um if you look at it at face value for this season, losing Basuma, Kukurea, um, your entire management team, um, and the people that we've brought in, um, in Batoma and Dav and CISO, is that you're not replacing like for like, and you're not replacing in terms of stature and reputation. And, and I appreciate that we can't do that from a money perspective, but at least give us a little bit. Uh, and, and invest a little bit. I'm not asking you to go spend 100 mil on a player. I'm not asking for a Jack Grealish sort of transfer. I'm asking for some decent, reputable players to come in and strengthen the entire squad um, as opposed to try and make do. And I know we get attacked with the philosophy of bringing younger, younger players in and developing, but you can do both. Um, you don't need to rely on one of those mentalities and one only. Um, you can buy in reputable players and develop younger players at the same time. That is a thing. Um, so... That, that's where I guess that gripe is for me is, you know, we've clearly made some strides in becoming a better team. You finish ninth in the Premier League um, and then you lose two of your best players and your entire management staff and you go, why aren't we getting better? Um, so let's let's see. And I, I think those results are now coming to coming to fruition in terms of that reality. Also worth noting that Leandro Trossard has six months left on his contract because it has not yet been extended for a year. Yeah, he's got one he's year. Talked about, he's talked about wanting to go to Chelsea twice when he's on Belgian duty with those dodgy questions they constantly ask Thais whenever they go over there. Um, not sure Chelsea would want him, frankly. Uh, they have a lot of options up there in that area of the pitch. Uh, but that will be a player that will be off to a Newcastle or a like if we do not seal this deal sooner than later. Um, so we are looking at very real prospect of not having Trossard in this team from January onwards as well. Uh, if we continue to play the game we're playing. Um, yeah. I mean, what would Yeah. Well, I admit, that's, that's the big thing for me is, and I don't know, depending on when it, you know, transfer market, the website does these rough market value assessments of players. Um, to make of that what you will, right? But, if I brought up last the 21-22 squad list of our, of our team and went through the top set of players here and asked the question as to you know, what should our team look like if we lost certain ones of these. I know we've talked generally about Kukure and Basuma, right? Of course we have. They were the one-two in terms of predicted market value from transfer market last season. Third is Trossard. You just built, brought up here that um, if we don't trigger that extension and there's lots of transfer rumors, if we if this if this league position doesn't work out for us this year, Trossard, depending on the relationship internally, could kick up a big stink and go, if you extend that contract for a year, I'm going to be furious with you. Cash in on me. I want to go to one of the big clubs. That could very well happen, by the way. Very well happen. All right. That's those three. We've lost two of them. Next one, Lewis Dunk. All right, you're sticking around. Fifth on the list of most valuable players from last season, Neil Mope, gone. Sixth, Enoch Mwepu, gone. Seventh is Lamptey, struggling to get in. Webster plays, Sanchez. 
Mac, and then for rounding out the list of the top 12, Dan Byrne, gone, Jakob Moda, injured. So of everyone in your team, and again, our signings of, of, of this last summer, we, we've talked about a little bit, but you're mainly looking at Billy Gilmore uh, and Dennis Indef, who can't get minutes. We've lost the vast majority of our top players. It's not. It's not just Basuma and Kukure, Everyone, like it, it's more than that. Mope still was one of our big, big players. Wepu's Wepu's gone. We lost Burn. I know that happened earlier on, and, and Moda's out. So we're 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 playing with a team that shouldn't really compete. But are we seeing results right now in a tough run of fixtures that we should accept? Is 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 this what the team is right now? Before we now go out and rejuvenate it. Well, that was going to be my next question uh, and one that I wanted to touch chat about before you kind of like round out everything. Uh, this is a good one to talk about because for me, um, I understand that Deserby has not wanted to change anything, right? He came in when we were like fourth or something ridiculous early on. Um, we had a tough run of fixtures coming up. Like you say, we had some really tough ones coming up um, and we still have a tough one left, right? With with Chelsea for sure. Um and he was very clear that he didn't want to change too much at all. Uh, Bournemouth win tomorrow. We go 10th. Uh, we dropped to 10th in the table. Uh, we will be, what, duh, 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 six points off the bottom three. Yes, bunched um, up, isn't it? Really bad. It's so half. packed. Yeah. Yep, it is so packed. Um, and I mean, I mean, not just the bottom half, right? Like it's packed all the way up to Liverpool in seventh. But obviously, they're not going to go down. Um, but you've got almost the entire division bar in your top four uh, that are packed up into a group of people that could all go down. Uh, lots of teams are getting results that they shouldn't have any right to get, but they are getting because of how weird this 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 season has been. It's only going to get weirder with the World Cup coming up in, what, a month? I think it was a month like exactly, like four days ago. Um, to me, and I don't think there's any better place to start, uh, I... I understood his logic and, and I respected it and I got it. But I think Deserby's revolution now needs to come much sooner than later um, because what we're seeing in this last four games uh, is the absolute pinnacle of Potter ball when it's not working. Um, this is not Deserby ball. Uh, we're seeing glimpses of it at times. And I mean, you saw that 4-2-3-1 come in place and all of a sudden that vertical ticky tacker stuff as opposed to the the way that we were playing under Potter, that vertical straight up the side of the pitch. And it, I mean, if Lamptey had made a better decision, that's possibly a goal right there, um, was very clear to see. Uh, you saw it against Liverpool early days. They made some very clear cut deserve ball type moves. Um, for me, I'd rather, I'd rather lose the next few games and get that revolution underway sooner than later. Um, because when, We've we've seen what we're seeing. We're we're dropping down the table. We're not in a great place anymore. I'd rather just see them. I'd rather see him do commit to the overhaul now. I suspect he was waiting for Qatar, right, to really hammer it in because we've got a handful going to Qatar, but not not all of them. Um, and the ones that are going are the ones that can adapt best, right? Because they're our top quality players. Uh, yeah, and my Callisters and your Carcedos are already doing a very similar job. Your Trossard is your Trossard. Uh, and your Sanchez is your goalkeeper, right? So, like, the rest of the team are the ones that really need that bedding in period into this this move. The 
that group of players are the ones that probably need the least work, um, especially that midfield duo because they're they're doing so much similar. Um, what do you, what do you what do you think about that? For me, I think Chelsea is the best place to start, right? Because Potter's going to be expecting Potterball. Um, let's just overhaul it. I'd rather lose two 0 at the Amex to Chelsea and try full Deserby ball and fail than try Potterball two point and like lose one 0 instead. Like, yeah, my my only concern is the the way that Chelsea's squad is structured. Depending on if they play Aubameyang or whether they just roll out the random wingers that they have um, is that they're quick uh, in in transition and they're starting to be able to become a little bit more of a side that that, that plays some level of direct counter-attacking football. I know that's not what Potter will want them to do, but it's just proxy of the personnel that they have in place. Um, we know how that works out uh, depending on whether we play Deserby ball or not. Uh, that's That's not great for us. But I do agree with you, but I, I, I more broadly agree, agree with your point about how we're still not properly seeing the revolution. And and let's not forget the fact that in last season, despite the amazing finish, uh, we went through those two horrid spells um, where I think was the first one where we didn't win for 11 games at one point. Uh, and then not a year ago, by the way, not even a year ago, the period of time between the 15th of December and the 9th of April, uh, we went through a period of seven games where we, we didn't win. I think we lost six of them. Um, this is, yeah, you're, you're right. This is the ups and downs of this team. We've seen this for quite a long time. Is is Deserby going to come out and try and do this against Chelsea? It'll be interesting. I just don't think he's necessarily going to have the time to tell his team, forget everything you've done and just purely go on what I've told you over the last few weeks here in, in my uh, mishmash of Italian English. Um, I don't know if we're going to have enough time to do that just yet. I don't think we're even necessarily going to have enough time to do that for that Wolves game that's coming up. Um, so I'd like to see it. I just don't think we will. Yeah, I think so. Um you, you see elements of it sort of seeping through, don't you? You know, where you see the last sort of five, ten minutes of a game and it, it's sort of coming to light. But I, I agree with you that it needs to happen sooner rather than later, rather than just trying to do what these guys are used to, um, as opposed to what we want it to be and what the actual end result is, is desired to be. Uh, I guess what we're asking is for Deserby to make, I guess, more... I say more radical changes, but just more risky changes, should we say? Just because you know, if it when it if it's going to rain, it may as well pour, right? You you know, it's not going well. Let let's try and change it when it's at its worst, so that really there's not too much pressure when it does go wrong. Um, and I, I guess there's there's some solace in some of the results that we've had in that respect. Is that you know. It, it, it's already going bad, right? So if I if I make a few more changes or I make some experimental changes here and there, and it's still bad, then it's not like I have completely ruined the confidence and and the the form of this squad. So I guess we'll see. I think Chelsea's a, a little soon. I think you might look at that and go, right, let's let's try and get a, a point from here by any means necessary. But the you're right. Something something needs to change. It needs to be a little bit more radical when the pressure's off because the form's already bad. I mean, if you want to, here's a good one for you because it's not 
it's not it's a little while away uh start the revolution now on the training ground start it hardcore this is the way we're going to be doing shit nowadays this is deservable we're done potable is over we are going to slowly transition to my style uh without if ands or buts uh and run out a full deservable attempt at the emirates in the league cup I mean, there's literally no pressure there. They're top yeah. They're flying and they're at home. Why not? Just see what they can do there. Well, like, you say you they're flying. Mean? They just uh, drew 1-1 with Southampton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. The interesting results just, just came in as we're recording this, by the way, and the, the, the morning, well, I say morning our time, the Sunday fixtures before the, the Spurs-Newcastle game. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. If you're going to give it a bash, do it. Do it in that in that cup game. Um Worst case scenario is we go out and we don't have to play more games. All right, that's fine. Uh, this this upcoming fixture list terrifies me. It really does because of the fact that we literally have five Premier League games left this year. Just to repeat that, there are five Premier League games left this year. One's at Chelsea. One's at Villa who just spanked Brentford 4-0. Brentford who looked like the Harlem bloody Globetrotters against us. Um, so they're, they're getting a little new, well, non-Gerrard bounce, let's put it that way. Southampton just held Arsenal to a draw and the other game is against Arsenal. Oh, it's still top of the table, right? Um, so you've now got, I'm looking at the fixture list for the rest of this year. You have to win the Wolves game. You just got battered 4-0 by Leicester. You have to win that game. Because I look at the others and I'm always scared about Southampton away. I wish Gerard was still in seat for that Villa game, but he's not. And the others are very scary propositions. And you are already winless since the 4th of September. Something's I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's uh, solid March number nine and Dav centre back. You, you have to do something to change it. If not, you're, you're rounding out 2022 in a very tricky situation. Yeah. I I think I'm I'm even going to say like the four games I think with Southampton and Arsenal have left this year that's right after the World Cup that's just completely different isn't it I I think there's yeah you have no idea what's going to happen there um injuries in the World Cup just general fatigue if some of those teams get to the latter stages whatever you want to call it um but that's those are completely separate the, the the reality is is that we've got what four games of which I would like us to get points from Wolves and, and Villa at the bare minimum. Um, and it, it feels like there's a little bit more pressure now, doesn't it? After after Forest, especially, I think, is that, okay. And I, I just backing up, Josh, what you said is that actually it's, <laughs> this needs to happen sooner rather than later because it it's not going, or, or the form hasn't remained at a level where we're comfortable. Um, and, and actually, it, it, it feels like, we're we're asking the question as to where are the next points going to come from again, and and like yeah, like Adam, you, you said, you know, we went through that last year with six straight defeats, and we went a few months without winning. It, it, we're in that mentality and that that trough, if you like, of okay, where where are these next points going to come from? Because it just doesn't seem too viable right now. I mean, we are we are in a reality, and I'll just say it: we are in a reality where we're in the bottom three come World Cup break. Don't don't put that evil on us. It's possible. Mathematically, we are we are in a position where we could be because, I mean, we play Wolves. We play Villa. 
Like those those are results that could go against us. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't think it's likely for what it's worth, listeners. I don't think that's going to happen. But the reality is is how packed it is down there that the wrong set of results in this next couple of games could leave us down there uh, come November, whatever it is that we we stop playing football for a month. Um, and your best players are going to the World Cup. Uh, we we were also sat just like every other team in that group, right, that are all wanting to just secure safety first and foremost, we are sat in a position where, God forbid, like, and this is not just us, this is every team in that group that is going to be thinking the same thing about their players. But we're also sat there thinking, like, we could be coming back with Trossard, Caicedo, and McAllister Hurt. Like, that's a reality. Like, and then you're th- and then your top three MVPs, like you were just talking about, Adam and God, are, are out too. And, and those teams around us are all going to be thinking this, by the way. They've got players that are very good that are going to be going to this World Cup, and they're all probably thinking the same thing. And please, God, don't let Ruben Neves get hurt because he's mm. literally our only player in our 11 that can do anything at all. Uh, please, God, don't let... You know what I mean? Like, you've got a lot of decent players. Uh, you've got that A1LE or whatever his name is for Forrest, who's their, basically their only goal scorer at this point, probably going to the World Cup. Again, like he gets hurt, Forrester effed. Like they're done. They're going to be sat there watching them play on pins and needles every. Like that's going to be the reality for every team. Uh, West Ham will be thinking the same thing. Villa, Bournemouth, Palace, Everton, Brentford. Everyone will be watching that. Like Denmark, Denmark's going to be a disaster for Brentford. They're going to be shit in their pants every time they play. Their entire starting eleven's out there. <laughs> so like that's going to be the other thing, right? Like we've got to sit there and watch these teams play and pray to God our our key players don't get hurt here because it's only it's at this level of football it's only our key players that are good enough to go and that's the worst part about it for all these teams in that bottom bottom twelve of the Premier League. And what have we constantly been talking about? And again, not not unique to our situation, but in my mind, given the window that we had we suffer from it in some ways, one of the worst, is the depth piece. Uh, we, we are really, I know, like a handful of players, and even if it's just Trossard, we lost Trossard, who the hell scores for us? No one. <laughs> no one scores. You think it's bad now? Imagine if Trossard wasn't playing for this team. I. That's that's the margin. Yes. It's going to be, like you said, it's not just us in that boat either. Like we're not, it's not, this is not a woe is me. Like there, there's the other 14 or the the bottom half of the Premier League, if you like, that are going <laughs> to be on eggshells watching their, watching their players play in Qatar. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think just to that Trossard point, we need to get that contract extended before Jan, because otherwise he's going on a Bosman, isn't he? Yeah, give um just let's get a win, get a win in and then just immediately have the contract in the dressing room after the win. That's what you're feeling good, mate. Just give this a, give this a go. Yeah. Uh, just an autograph for a kid. I promise. Yeah. I, from what I understand, it's a trigger that's entirely uh, one way as in like the club just extends mm. it if they want to. But at the same time, you know, we've seen the power of the player mm. coming to the forefront in football in recent memory. So even if you can trap him, Essentially, uh, you can't trapping him against his world is not going to go well. Yeah, it doesn't make him happy, does it? Yeah. Uh, the other the other aspect to this is you stare down this fixture list, and I know we're not we're not assessing Deserby, but more broadly, Deserby is being assessed. At a certain point, 
the people will start being able to use that line of Deserby still hasn't won at Brighton. Um, that has to change at Wolves. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a November the fifth game that needs to be a game of fireworks. That needs to be an explosive game against Wolves <laughs> where we get three points because if not, you don't want to be that club where it's like, oh, you've got Deserby's coming, he's not managed to win a, a game. Mm. That ha- it's a tricky time, but that has to be on his mind. The reason I bring that up is because if we're worried about him just keeping things the same, just for consistency's sake, at a certain point, if consistency is not consistent or it's only consistent in a bad sense, it's got to be bring the chaos in uh, because he's going to need to try something just so he has three points to his name. Mm. Yep. I think Sal in the chat is spot on. I was actually going to bring that up. Um, I think if you get the news that Leandro Trossard has signed a new deal, great. I think if you get the news that Leandro Trossard has extended his contract via that one-year extension, he's gone. That will be the deal we make. We're going to extend you so we can get money for you. Yeah, we'll let, but we'll let you go. Um, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a chance that he goes free, Craig, because we have the extension. I think you've got two options: we trigger it and sell him, or we give him a a full extension, like a brand new contract with however many years on it with a big pay raise and he needs a big pay raise and he's playing. Tony must be like, Tony must be pissed off so much that Welbeck is doing nothing and Trossard is putting it on his back because every time he scores a goal, it's just more money that he's going to be asking for with every right to. Um, Because like you said, without him, I mean, without him, we're no better than Wolves, right? Like without him, we are, we are Wolves. Like we're the same. Bring Diego are. Costa in. Who else can we get from sort of a <laughs> semi-retired Brazilian forward? Yeah, without him, you, I mean, we're, we're just shocking. Without Spanish. Um, so that's that's the problem, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what. I, I don't, by the way, if you're don't don't look at the fixture list if you're if you're even mildly concerned at the moment because I, I've. I've made the mistake of looking what happens further on in the season. And there's a run of games where we literally play Spurs, Chelsea and Man City in April, three games in a row. The, and the, the big question mark for me is if we, we've lived and died by these runs of positive and negative form under Potter, we've seen the bad form under Deserby. Does he have it in him? Does he have the ability to get this squad to go through one of those purple patches? And if so, when does it happen? Because it almost has to be in this Wolves Villa period of time. Um, we we don't want to be that side that then is going to be wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one, because suddenly your expectations shift from can we be an eight to 12th side to the, the rebuild is fully on, let's avoid relegation and see what we can spend money on. Because especially if you, if you trigger the extension with Trossard and he's gone in the summer, full rebuild. And that's likely right, but you, you, I could think how many players you hypothetically have to replace at that point to to get the squad to where it need it has to be to compete in a in a top ten, top twelve situation. Massive, massive ask. Yeah, uh, and we've we've spoken about that sort of rebuild as well with those technical players, and and that there, there has to be some shifting as well. And um, that January period is going to be pivotal, um, even if we are doing well like you say if, if we get points off Wolves Arsenal Villa that rebuild still has to happen um just from from his own you know the philosophy and and clearly he he should have players that he wants to bring in um so it, that we're expecting January news and January transfers irrespective of whether we're in 
dire straits or, or whether actually we're coming off the back of a decent run up until the World Cup. It's just to to what level is that rebuild going to happen? And and like you said, how how long do we give if it isn't great? Um, do you know what I mean? If if you if you take January to bring in these players that the Zobi needs and there's no purple patch run, as you say, uh, and actually nothing turns up. Um, it, it is safety first this year. And I think we'll, we'll reiterate that is that you, you have to stay up this year and, and that should be our main focus. It's just, you know, like you said, does, do we have it in us to, to do that peak along with the trough? Cause it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, I see, uh, am I saying your name right? Art Twitch temper. It's a lot, a lot going on in that name on, on Twitch. Just saying we're, we're only two points lower than this time last year. Yeah. But that we had such a mixed bag of uh, it's a stupid name I know. Hey, whatever works. It's we had that crazy levels of runs, right? And we've seen nothing yet from a Deserby team as to whether we can do as, as we, what we've just said. Um, and the other piece is, yes, we had some amazing performances at the tail end of last season, but we were somewhat fortunate to have a few of those results whereby we got ninth on goal difference. But we were five points away from being 13th. Entirely different framing on, on the success of that season. There's so many fine margins here where you come away and you and you look at a game like Forest and, and you, you get a point out of it that we look at this in a few months' time and we go, that was actually incredibly important for our season because that will be the difference between not necessarily saying survival, but a position where you look back on the season and say this was a, a success with a new manager and a new coaching staff and a new look team, or whether you go, oh my God, we've got a lot of work to do here. Um, it's it's tough to compare this time from last season in, in my mind because you're dealing with an entirely different situation. Um, can I have one more mini two second rant? Yes, yeah. not, yeah, based, on, not uh, based on not based on the rapid. It's not actually because again, I'm I'm somewhat positive coming off the back of that city second half. I really yeah. am. Um, tell you what, I'm not positive about the. I can't wrap my head around the quality of refereeing uh, that we seem to keep running into in in this. And and yesterday's game against City was absolutely unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. How long was it between that VAR decision where they gave City a pet? I feel like we played 40 minutes of football between the supposed penalty, which was still a bit soft in my mind, with gross in the back and whatever. And then Paulson took, what, five minutes on VAR? And so I I literally didn't know what, what happens in the rule book if, if you go ahead and, and you score, for example, during that five-minute period... And it looks like we might. Well, yeah, we could have <laughs> scored. But apparently that gets scratched off. But I, I think I've seen it happen once. I think it's happened once since VAR has been introduced. And yeah, they, they scrap the goal and they go straight to the pan. How can you... Because that's you've, you've essentially created like a sort of alternate universe situation. You've, you've, you've created another timeline that exists but doesn't exist at the same time. <laughs> Like we've played a football game that continued and a result has happened, but that then gets removed from reality and we go back in time to the penalty and replay it. What the hell are we doing? 
How's that a thing? I mean, you've got to remember we did just we literally reversed a final whistle to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the low point, and we were only just creating new new lows to to get. Like we true we truly time stoned that for the MCU fans out there. We truly just reality can be whatever they want in that Man United game. And at that point, if you can just reverse the entire end of a game to award a penalty in fake time that doesn't even exist within the 90 minutes. I mean, what my hand looks massive in the West camera, <laughs> depth, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, it's just, and that was two years ago, and it, it has gotten worse. Like, I agree, it's actually gotten worse. And VAR is supposed to make it better, but they have, they, <laughs> I, I said this a couple of years ago before you two were on it. Actually, it was probably like a dodgy thing to say at the time, but I'll say it again. Cops protect cops, right? We've seen it happen across the spectrum, especially here in the US, an awful lot, right? We've seen when when the police make poor decisions, uh, the police generally close ranks and protect those people. We've seen it all the way back to Hillsborough, right? This is something that happens. On a much less serious level, this is what refs do as well we're seeing the exact same thing obviously i'm not comparing the two horrific stuff on one side just a game on the other but it's the same principles the people in var are the same people who are doing it day in day out that we need to change that we need to watch the watch else yeah 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 like we need to change that that's that's the thing we need to change above all else i think we need to change who is actually on var because they're just protecting each other at this point. I mean, it's a farce, isn't it? It's a theater bullshit thing, right? It's a pantomime when they go up to the screen because they're going to change their mind every time. Like that's a hundred percent ratio in the Premier League since they've consulted the screen. They've a hundred percent ratio turned over the decision. So why check the screen then? You're never going to say no. Other other leagues do though. We see it regularly in other leagues. I'm not sure the percentages on them, but I can guarantee I've seen it happen. Every every other week, they'll go consult the screen. They'll look at it. They'll watch it four or five times, and they'll turn around and be like, "No, I'm still right. This is the decision I'm backing myself for." And yeah, that never happens here. There's a reason that not a single English person will be managing any VAR at the World Cup. By the way, there is a reason for that. Not a single English operator of VAR will be going to the World Cup. None, zero, <laughs> zilch. Best league in the world, by the way. It's the standard of refereeing is atrocious. It has been for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, there's there's a reason why none of them, uh, <laughs> or very few of them, are going to the World Cup, and it's because of things like this. Um, you're seeing in the chat as well. It seems to have happened at Arsenal Southampton whilst we've been recording as well. So um, just awful, like uh, constant. There was another one with Gross where it looked like it was played on, and then he brought it back, and then yellow carded him. It's <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that was a good I'm, one as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking there. Again, just a, a glitch in the matrix where he forgot to blow the whistle. But yeah, he yeah. waved it on. He he saw the challenge and he went, "Good, off you go, keep going." And, and then went, someone oh, went, "Mate, you're actually an idiot." Oh wait, it's top six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember where you are. Uh, I, I, it's baffling. In defense of the the AI and the sentient machines, like VAR itself, I think is good. I'm all for it. That we use technology to make games fair. The problem is we've got idiots controlling it. 
Uh, and they, at a bare minimum, they either have to stop the game where there's a contentious situation going, or you have to put a time limit on it. Because there's no way that you can get yourself into these situations where some numpty in a studio is taking uh, 20 minutes to look through 400 different camera angles and actually then decide, oh, actually, mate, you should probably come and look at this and maybe completely change the parameters of the game and go back in time. No, you cannot do that. That's absurd. And this Silly. is going to sound this is going to sound disrespectful, and I don't mean it to be, but anybody listening can understand why I'm saying this. We've got two referees going to the World Cup, Michael Oliver and Anthony Taylor. Anthony Taylor, I think, is an absolute joker anyway. Uh, but they've got a group of VAR. They've got their group of VAR, and it's three from La Liga, two from Syria, uh, two from Bundesliga, two from League R, and then here's my favorite two. They have one from the Eredivisie. And they have one from the Polish League. We are operating at a poorer click than the Polish division, first division. I'm not sure what their their actual official name is, so I'm just going to call it the Polish first division. Well, that says everything, really. (laughs) Then the Premier League. We are not even getting one. The Polish top division is getting a choice, like the AR officials coming along instead of us. That's how bad our VAR is looked upon across in Europe. And rightfully so, by the way. Like, that's genuinely right. Like, I cannot believe that I'm going to an MLS game up the street, like, in Charlotte City Centre and watching a better VAR performance every time I've gone in the Major League Soccer than I am in the Premier League. I've watched more MLS this season than I have ever watched and ever really have a passion to ever watch again. (laughs) And we are... We are working at a horrendous level. Like it is mind blowing how bad it is. And I see Arc Twitch Temper in the chat is saying it. I've heard it's because the ref is being told why he's wrong. Well, there's the problem, isn't it? He shouldn't be told why he's wrong. He's not the referee. The video assistant referee is providing video assistance for the referee to ref, isn't he? Or is he just the backseat referee at this point? Like you can't have two. You can't have two refs. Like <laughs> that's not the point of VAR. That's the exact the, 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 the VAR is more powerful. Isn't the VAR yeah. more powerful? Yeah. You may as well just ref it from a screen. You may as well. Bit, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're not even chosen means that by their own body and by their own <laughs> the colleagues and, and everything like that is that, yeah, you're, you're not going, mate. And we have, we have better referees in the Polska First Division than we do in the supposed or best league in the world. Um we're very low when it comes to officiating and i and again i don't i don't want to get this mixed up with us being thoroughly and deservedly beaten on numerous occasions um it, it's just the level of it regardless of whether it's for us or against us is consistently bad um and that needs to change yeah we have 12 uh we have 12 refs picked from europe because they have to batch them right and we got 12 referees available to be picked from Europe. Uh, and we have two English. That's the most. No one else, no other country in Europe has two picked. Everyone else is just the one. So for all the shit we give our refereeing, it's at this point on face value, we are a better league without VAR. And I know people talk about scrapping it and I don't think it's ever going to happen now it's here. But if this is anything to go by, we are factually a better league if you remove VAR. Are we not? Uh, I, I, yeah. 
I, I see where you're. I, I see like, where you're going with it. Yeah, but I, I don't. I still. I still like the technology. I, I really like the technology because it. It. It's fundamentally better. It fundamentally improves the game because it allows you to enact the rules more efficiently. The implementation and the execution of it is barbaric, and and that's the the best way I I can summarize it. Um, I agree. I, I am pro VAR for what it's worth. Just if it was used correctly. <laughs> If it's used right, I, I I think it's much better for the game. I think it's improved the game tenfold uh, when it comes to objective decisions being made, uh, especially with the new way they've implemented offside this season where the benefit's given uh, to the attacker. We've, I think we've seen a lot less lines drawn on screens uh, across social media this year than we have over the last two, where it was basically every week we were just throwing our hands up and saying, what the hell is this? Um, that's yeah. helped somewhat, I think. Uh, I still have so many issues, though, when it comes to the subjectivity stuff, and that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Because that's the, that's, that's the refs being bad. Um, because when you're seeing... And I'll never get over the, the first game of the season, Scott, Scott McTominay like almost career ender on Caicedo. And then two games later, we see someone else do something similar and they're sent off and he got a booking for it. And he's one of the worst players in the world. Did you see yes. he's stealing a living, the penalty he gave away yesterday. Yeah. And actually, and again, funnily enough, being a weird implementation of the rules because they never give those. But I'm glad they gave that yesterday because he was all over Broya um, and Broja, however you say it. And it was a penalty and they didn't, VAR didn't interfere. They're like, you made the decision. Great. Um, that was but McTominay's so bad. Like he just came on the pitch and was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to give away a penalty. Screw it. Uh, horrible player. But that's, uh, Craig's point's actually quite, I know it was made in jest in some ways, but I sort of agree with you. Like if, if you bosh a couple more cameras down in the big stadiums, just get rid of the guy on the pitch. Get rid of the ref. We'll just we'll just manage it like we'll have a guy set up like in tennis, and we're just going to do Hawkeye, and it's just a guy high up somewhere with a bunch of TVs around him, like in the Matrix, and we'll make the decisions that way. Why have you got a sort of mid fifties portly gentleman strolling about making crap decisions on the pitch when you've got all the tech? Or just have it be the fourth official. Yeah. Yeah. Make him the first official. Uh, he's just the mouthpiece uh, and have him operate like an NFL ref where no players are allowed to approach him. Because if they if they approach refs in the NFL, don't they, and they mouth off to him, that's instant disqualification, instant injection. Um, I've seen it happen once or twice. Unless the things they've said is really egregious, maybe I'm just not following it properly enough. But... Uh, that could work. Wait, why not? Um, if you if you want to go on, <laughs> if you want to summarize a horrible implementation of analog and, and digital refereeing technologies, the NFL is a wonderful place for us to start because I know we're not going to subject the listeners to it, but the idea that a bunch of old dudes stroll up a line with a chain and eyeball where a football landed on a blade <laughs> of grass to determine games which <laughs> millions have gambled on. Yeah, sounds good. Do that. Absurd. Blows my mind whenever they went out the chains. <laughs> yeah, what are you uh, measuring? You're not measuring anything re- in reality. You're just saying, oh, I think it was there. Why are you measuring? Jakob <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moda back in March from Sal. We are going to wrap here because we've gone a long time. Uh, Moda back in March, maybe. Uh, I'd, I wouldn't put your hopes on seeing him until next season, though, Sal. Um, Might not be the same player either. Let's not forget that. That's a horrible injury. 
Yep. Yep. So I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what he can do uh, or what he has as a player uh, come summer. I'm not even thinking about March, Sal. And I, I would encourage you not to get your hopes up and do the same. Uh, I would, I would be looking at January, mate. If you're looking at players that can make an impact and looking at what we're going to be doing there instead, because Jakob needs time. Even if he's back in March, he's not going to be fit, is he? So, yeah. All right, that's it. That's everything. Uh, we've got uh, a full week, right? We've not got a game mm-hmm. now until next weekend. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chelsea. Um, big one, obviously. Potter, the Potter derby. Uh, <laughs> uh, at home at the Amex. I, I'm kind of... I kind of wish we'd do it the other way around, really, if we're going to try and get some revenge on him. I kind of wish we'd be playing him at the Amex later on when we've had a time to proper bed into the new world. Um, but alas, what reception do you think Bruno's going to get? <sighs> I don't know. Who knows? The club's gone, it's all gone balmy. Dick Knight's banned for 10 games at this point. He could, he could be worse. <laughs> when he walks through the door. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Barber yeah. could be laying out the red carpet for Bruno at this point. I really don't know what the hell's going to be going on. Uh, upside down is right way round, and we've gone into Alice in Wonderland rabbit holes at this point. And nothing makes sense on the pitch, off the pitch, in between. It's just so weird. It's gonna it, it's gonna be an interesting environment. I think if you if you want to see a if we we not often see a riled up, angsty Amex, this has got to be it. You've, you, the 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 crew of Judas's is coming back in town, but we have to. Something's got to happen here. Uh, let's get let's get angry. I, I want to see Deserby all animated. I want the players to be annoyed. None of this friendly friendly BS. Where it's oh, Graham's back. Let's give him a hug and play nice against Chelsea. A little nice little game where everyone gets on. No, let's make it. Let's make it horrible. Let's just have let's just have the game plan laid out immediately. Uh, all of the information given to the assistant coaches, everyone knows what they're doing. And before the whistle even blows, just Deserby lays him out and <laughs> takes the red card. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> two two footer as well. Can we get Mope back on a loan just for this? Let's get let's get all the bad boys back in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. All right. I think we've reached our logical endpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we will be we will be back next week uh for the the big one. Uh I've heard a bunch of people last thing <laughs> before we go. Uh, I've had a lot seen a lot of people North Stand chat and like Twitter and stuff post these stupid polls. I'm interested in your two's opinion on it. Last thing before we drop. Would you rather beat Chelsea or Palace this year if you're gonna beat one? Palace. Yeah. Same. Where's I, I think I saw the same one and I thought weird. Yeah, because it was really even, wasn't it? And I was mm. like, why are people, uh, I'm not that bothered. Like, obviously, <laughs> I was like, it'd be yeah, nice, I, but I thought it was quite a weird, uh, I get the, the, the grudge, but not that much to be more. I'd rather, I would much rather be Palace and Chelsea. Mm. All right, that's everything. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Um, and we will speak again next week and uh, stay safe out there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.